Hello, and welcome to our very first ever podcast of Growing Librarians. I'm Bridget Crossman. And I'm Amy Carpenter. And we're going to start off by just introducing ourselves and uh, a little background on who we are. Wonderful. So I work at Lake George Elementary School and we run on a flex schedule. I've been here for eight years. Prior to that, I was a classroom teacher um, for two years. And so I love that I made the transition to the library. It is the greatest job. I like seeing all the kids in the building, but I also love um, how unique our profession is. And one of my main passions is that I love finding innovative ways that I can help students and teachers and districts and even other librarians grow. So that's kind of where my passion lies. Um, personally, I have done a little bit of growth um, myself in trying to grow and recently just wrote a book. So that's another thing that I have in my portfolio now. Awesome. So I'm Amy and I have been a librarian since 2006. Uh, prior to that, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I came to librarianing without any teaching experience. Um, I'm still kind of trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up, but I'm sure it's a librarian. I'm just not sure what you <laughs> um, I um, have worked in the same district for the full time, although I spent one year in an elementary librarian as an elementary librarian, having done my penance, I moved up to middle and high school and I love it here. I agree with you 100%. This is the absolute best job in the whole entire world. And um, I guess my passion is trying new things. So um, I love to do innovative new stuff. I, I like to try out new stuff. And um, so Bridget roped me into trying a new podcast. I am uh, in constant awe of her goals and, and cool things that she gets up to. So it was great to, um, to join together and try to share some information with other people. And I think that makes a, a great um, transition to really talk about what it is that the goal of this podcast is. And for, for us, it's really just a place where we can all collaborate and share ideas and help one another grow. So we're kind of, the goal is just to lift one another up. So lift up the great ideas that other librarians are doing and perhaps that will help us um, grow as professionals as well. Amy and I do not think we are the experts here. That has never been our goal. We don't feel like um, we're here to tell you what to do. We're here to share and create a platform for all of us to share our voices. Yeah, I think one of the things Bridget and I talked about that we noticed over the course of the last couple of years is that people are doing super cool stuff and they don't really think it's cool. Like they don't realize that they're doing these awesome things and we want to just help people share the, the amazing things they're doing with others, even if they don't necessarily think they're spectacular. Yeah, that's so true. Amy, I think um, one of the most powerful conversations you and I have had is about like, you know, we'll go to a lot of professional things together. And we went to this cohort of, t of librarians that are considered um, innovative in our area. And the very first thing when everybody stood up to share what they were doing in their libraries was, um, this really isn't innovative, or this really isn't great, but, and I really was kind of sad about this. I'm like, first of all, it is really great. 
And second of all, we should be really proud of what we're doing. If we're a profession where we want people to give us respect, then we need to give ourselves that same respect and recognize that, um, hey, we are doing great things because if we don't respect the work we're doing or think that it's good, then of course nobody else is going to. Right. So I thought that was really was really cool about that cohort was that everyone did lift each other up and be like, absolutely, what you're doing is awesome. That is super cool. Uh, you should be so proud of of who you are and what you're doing and the the philosophy that you're embracing. And and I thought that was fantastic. And I think that sort of uh, may have been the spark for you in terms of we're one of the sparks for you in terms of you know developing this podcast and sort of. Um, lifting each other up. And, and that was really powerful for me coming out of that cohort. And I'm hoping um, that this will be powerful for our listeners. I agree. We wanted to talk about how do you grow as a librarian and stay sane? Um, there is a ton of initiatives out there. We have a vast amount of roles and hats that we wear and responsibilities that we all need to take care of in a school year, in a school day, et cetera. So really, we're here to offer you some strategies that have worked for us, but we also wanted to hear what some of our viewers' concerns were or questions that they have on this topic. So we're gonna take some questions from them and do the best we can to give you some responses. And then we're going to hear from Lori Alden, who has focused her growth on pursuing her ISTE certification this year, and see what kinds of information she can share with us that will be useful. So let's start with you, Amy. And um, we've sat through a lot of PD together, and sometimes we have the same reaction to ideas and new initiatives, and sometimes we don't. Can you give us a little bit about your thoughts? Sure, so I think, um PD is kind of a mixed bag for me. If I do PD in my district, it is almost never geared towards me, um, which I totally understand. I am one of two people who work in the library. Um, I'm the only librarian in my district. I'm the only high school librarian in my district, or only secondary librarian in my district. I don't expect my district to provide personalized PD for one person, right? So that's not often applicable to me, but I think that that you and I sit in I think is really cool because as librarians we're often offered these opportunities that teachers don't get the chance to sit well while being a librarian is often really lonely and really you're the only one on the island um, we get a chance to sit with other librarians and all hang out on a very cool island together um, mm. and learn and grow from each other and I think that's really refreshing I don't think that teachers get that all the time um, but sometimes I find that the new initiatives were presented that are full of new and cool and shiny ideas. Sometimes they make they they create those feelings of what I'm doing isn't good enough, and it makes us feel less than like we're not doing enough, or we're not doing the right thing. So one of the things you said earlier was, well, this isn't this is something I'm doing, but like there's always a but, there's always a it's not a it's not good enough, or this isn't really this thing, but I'm doing. It's always after the but that I'm like, but what you're doing is super cool. Like, that's where the best ideas come from. And and I think that sometimes, um, you know, we need permission to to just embrace what we're doing as great. Maybe we're not doing all great all the time, but like everybody's doing some cool thing. And I think to see what it is that you're doing in your practice that is 
that is, you know, sparkly and, and wonderful is, is really valuable and to identify that. And I think the PD that we sit in together really helps with that. Like, oh, I got a great idea from, you know, I've gotten great ideas from you. You're at an elementary level. So I might change it and do it a little bit differently, but it's still something that I've that I can use in my practice. Um, and I hope, you know, I, I pick up stuff from people all the time. It's a constant mishmash. So I think that's a really valuable opportunity that we get. I would agree. And so I guess the, what I would offer maybe this conversation is that I do find that I, I like to do a lot of things. And sometimes, hence the podcast we're, we're doing right now, right. Um, but sometimes I need a little more focus. And so I can get caught up with all these great ideas and because I'm so passionate about being a librarian and the things that we get to do that I just sometimes want to do it all. So how do I help myself? Well, I really started um, writing some goals for myself and then that helps to give me clarity. So if a new thing comes my way and it didn't match up with my goal, then I'll say, okay, that's a great idea, but that wasn't my goal this year. Um, I'm going to work on that next year or set that as a goal in the future. And that really helps to make things more manageable for me. And so how do I, how do I even come at my goal? I, you might ask. And the way I come at my goal is I really, I start with my school's initiatives, the vision, the mission for the school. And then I work from there to set personal goals based on basically my passions, to be honest with you. That's, that's a great way to start. And I write those goals down. I post them. I make sure that they're available for me to see all the time. I find an accountability partner, somebody that's really going to say, hey, Bridget, how's that coming? Um, are you making any progress? Can I support you in that? And also just making sure that my goals are in line with the visions of the rest of my building. So my accountability partner in my um, maybe my first second year of teaching was my principal I literally went to him and I said hey these are my goals do they align with your vision the school's mission um, and can you help me with these can we meet on a monthly basis monthly basis or can we revisit these again so those were very helpful for me and then I lay out action steps how am I going to do this okay maybe by October I'm going to have joined a committee um, whatever it might be. So then if my goal is, I don't know, build more inquiry units into my work this year, then if I go to a PD session and they're talking about makerspace and I'm like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I'm going to say, no, you know what? This is a great idea. I'll listen. I'll take information in, but not, I'm not going to do that this year because my goal was to build inquiry units. Um, so those are some strategies that work for me. Yeah, you're super brave because like in my first year or two, I was 100% trying to stay under the principal's radar and would never have walked in and been like, hey, can you keep me accountable, please? That's great. You know, so but I think the idea is really good, like getting an accountability partner. Maybe it's your mentor in the building or maybe it's another librarian that you think is awesome or know another you know it could just be a friend that's in you know an educator that gets what you're doing because I think for some people listening probably the idea of like going to their principal and being like hey can you keep me extra accountable is like whoa right but you're super brave and that's totally fine it worked for you I think that that's a great point Amy and um, some of my accountability partners for some of my other goals even school related are my husband you know like he just helps me get through and make things 
or, or makes me do the things that I say I'm going to do. And he asks me about them. So that certainly, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I also wanted to comment about the reason I actually chose my principal as my accountability partner, which by the way, he doesn't even know he was my accountability partner <laughs> is because, um, he, I think I was becoming frustrated with, I'm putting all this work in and I don't think that anybody even knows that I'm working towards this. So that was kind of like the why in choosing my partner is because, well, I needed to let him know what I was doing because if I don't communicate that to him, then how was he ever going to know? And right. so it was twofold. So I think there needs to be some type of reasoning as to why you're choosing the accountability partner that you do. Sure. So that's like not only brave, but also genius. Yeah. Perfect. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. We'd like to take some time to address some questions from our listeners. Our first listener is a new librarian in a large district. She works in a six to eight building. Let's listen to Noelle's questions. Hi, Bridget and Amy. It's Noelle here. I'm a brand new middle school librarian. Thank you for taking my question. As someone who is right out of school, I've been wondering a lot about finding my place as a librarian today. It seems like as a profession, we got kind of insecure and started thinking we had to be everything to everyone. See also motherhood. At school, I took classes on literature, teaching, administration, cataloging research, etc. In other words, I've gotten a little bit of schooling on a big range of subjects and ideas, K-12. I guess I struggle with what am I actually the expert at now? Should it be the books or research or the 21st century skills? What is the most important thing I should be focusing on in my growth? Thanks a lot. Noelle, that's a great question. And it doesn't really matter if you're a new librarian or a veteran. I think we can all relate to that feeling. Many of the strategies we talked about earlier, I think will help. I think recognizing that you can't grow in every area all at once is really important. I think really um, realizing too that you will kind of be a jack of all trades. You'll know a little bit about a lot of things um, and, and really become that invaluable resource to your colleagues is, is great. And then you kind of just start with your passion. What is it that you are really interested in in focusing on. I think that some of the best librarians I know are, are generally well-rounded and, and, and decent at every aspect of their job, but then they have that one thing that they're known for. So for me, I know that Bridget's got a stellar, flexible schedule in an elementary school and does awesome inquiry units. But I know that I have, there are other librarians who are amazing at developing fiction collections and doing reader's advisory. And there are other ones that are doing amazing things with maker spaces kind of get those um, those superstars that we know of in particular areas and all of those people are also really good at most of the other stuff they do it's just you know they've they focused in on their passion and figured out where they want to spend their time and I think that's really critical yeah I would agree Amy um, the other thing about another strategy that might help along with your passion is that really thinking about your district goals because sometimes your district goals and the work that's being done in your district really is what will dictate what you're doing in the library and what becomes a priority in your library. So for example, like you mentioned, inquiry is a passion of mine and I work really hard to, de to develop inquiry units with my teachers um, where I push into their classrooms and teach the skills through their content. However, um, 
a few years back, we adapted as a district um, Lucy Hawkins Reading and Writers Workshop, which then um, changed some of the texts that we were using, um, the way um, our days were structured. And so it became my responsibility to then work with our curriculum director. It became my responsibility to also work with teachers to try to see, okay, well, how will this look different and still use an inquiry-based approach to instruction? And so that dictated the work that I did that year. So we're gonna take our second question here. This question comes from Katie, who is a middle school librarian. Thanks for taking my question. My name's Katie and I'm a middle school librarian. So I'm interested in becoming national board certified. Is this something that you'd recommend doing early in your career as professional development to help you grow? Or is it something that you would do a little bit later in your career to demonstrate your expertise and years of experience? Thanks. Thank you so much, Katie, for that wonderful question. I'm gonna actually pass this one off to Amy because she actually has some experience in this. So yeah, I became a nationally board certified library media specialist. Um, I certified in December of 2017. Um, and I subsequently became a professional learning facilitator to try to help other people achieve national board certification. Um, I think as with many great answers, the answer to this question is really it depends on your um, your timeline and what you're looking to do certainly you could do it earlier in your career and I think it would help you develop um, some some really great skills and some a re real sense of reflection self-reflection and reflection um, and teaching reflection to your students um, so certainly you could do it earlier on I think in many states, it's designed to be a leader in the career process. Um, for example, in our state, New York State, there is a, um, a state-funded grant to pursue national board certification, but you don't become eligible for that grant until you have tenure in your district, so at least you know four years in or so. Um, I, I pursued national board about 10 years into my career. Um, and it was one of those things where I was really looking for a new direction to grow. Um, I think many teachers choose to grow and pursue administration, and that wasn't for me. So it was a matter of how do I continue to develop my practice? And I think it's also um, for librarians and, and many other special areas teachers, um, like we talked about earlier on, where our district doesn't really provide professional development for us. It's really valuable in terms of its it's professional development super targeted not only to your profession, but to your specific practice and how you go about librarianing, so to speak. And so, Amy, just, just for beyond this particular question, for anybody that's listening and is interested in pursuing this avenue, what do you think, um, first of all, for time commitment? Outside of work, do you think it's, manageable for um, you to do it in your first years? Uh, I would definitely not pursue it in my very first year as a librarian. I think, at least for me, I think, and I think for many people, we're really just trying to keep our heads above water and get a sense of what working in your particular district looks like. So I wouldn't do it like right out of the gate, but I think um, within a few years, when you feel like you've gotten, you know, a fairly good sense of what your practice looks like, um, that would be a good time. Um, and it is a fair amount of time commitment. You do have three years to initially attempt the process, the four components, and then 
uh, two more years of additional, so for a total of five, to uh, retake components if necessary. Um, so it's a fairly lengthy process. It can be a fairly lengthy process. And um, I think, you know, it, probably when you're first starting out, it, it could be a little overwhelming to really tackle that right out of the gate. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you, Amy. guest this week is Lori Alden. Uh, Lori, we wondered if you'd just tell us a little bit about yourself and then we have a few questions for you. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Um, so I'm Lori Alden. I am the Library Media Specialist at Harrison Avenue Elementary in Salkins Falls. We are a K-5 building. We have approximately 292 students. Um, this is my 18th year teaching. Believe it or not, that's just wow. to me. I know. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be here today and talk about ISTE certification and other great things. Wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you to pursue your ISTE certification? Sure. Um, I think the first thing was we had a new principal last school year. Um, and having a new principal who brought a lot of energy into our school, um, also provided a lot of support to all of the educators in our school. I felt that that was a good time to take on a new challenge. I was also looking for a way to sort of um, revive my program, refresh, and get a bit more inspired. I feel like I had been doing great things, but some of the same things for so long that I needed to switch it up a little bit. I was doing a lot of work with our new ASL standards. And at that same time, our district used the ISTE standards to develop our technology curriculum. And as a part of that curriculum, I worked a lot with ISTE standards. And when I saw, I think it was Shannon Miller who was um, promoting this certification, I thought that might be the challenge that I need to just get excited again about the program, also, I felt like I was falling into that trap of any type of new tech tool I was grabbing onto and trying to use it. And I just felt, am I doing this in the right way? Was I focusing yeah. more on the tech tool rather than the behaviors I wanted to promote and the skills that I wanted students practicing with that tool? Awesome. A lot like um, the kinds of issues that many of us face after we've been uh, doing this for a few years. And that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the process to becoming certified? Yes. Um, so I was, first of all, very fortunate that my district supported me pursuing this, um, you know, starting all the way at the top with the um, assistant superintendent, Christy Knorr, who when I brought this to her, she said, absolutely, you need to go for it. Gerilyn Stellato, who is our tech integration specialist. And then of course, Carla Viviano, my principal, who said, absolutely, let's go for this. Um, so I registered through NiceGate and that's where it was housed. Um, I, I attended two days of on-site training in August where we really just started looking at the ISTE standards for educators. And it was great because during those two days, I was with administrators, tech integration specialists. I was with um, other librarians, some classroom teachers. So I was able to hear a lot of great perspectives of how they use technology. 
And what was really exciting was listening to the other librarians. This is so much of what we do. And that was pretty exciting to hear those perspectives and how far ahead we are with just our mindset and how we use technology with inquiry in many other great ways. Um, so we had two days of on-site training. It was wonderful. We really learned about the standards from the student's point of view. And then after that, we had modules that were all online. So we were in a cohort working um, online through four modules. Each module um, was two weeks long. And within each module, we would have some type of reading. We would have discussions and then we'd have creation. We would have to create some type of product um, to use with students that met those standards that we were working on at the, during that module. And so that was eight weeks long. And how much time did you actually put in on a weekly basis? On a weekly basis, I would say six to 10 hours. Okay. And what was so great about it is I decided going forward that anything I created during those modules, I would make sure that I was actually creating a product that I could use in um, my school, whether it was, um, collaborating with a teacher or using just in library on my own. Yep. So I felt like a lot of that already overlapped with the time I was putting in on my own planning. You're so smart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, could you um, tell us, you know, who you would recommend this for? So if somebody is looking to grow, mm -hmm. why would they choose ISTE certification? So for me, another part of pursuing this was I really wanted to grow my global network. I wanted to add more professionals into my network that I could reach out to, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or, you know, just a collection of um, emails where I could reach out to people to inspire me, to learn from. So I think if you're in a place, whether you're new and you just feel like, um, you know, I know about these ISTE standards, but I'm not really sure how that plays into my curriculum and me as a professional. And I think if your district supports you, I would recommend it because what a great way for a new librarian to build a really wonderful network very quickly. Also for someone like me who I've been doing this for 18 years and I felt like, okay, I, you know, I've got this increase stuff down. I, I have a good grasp on many um, things in my library program, but I just, I want to mix things up. I want to be excited yeah. about something new, um, challenge myself, challenge my students, be able to bring something new to my, the educators in my building. So I think those people, um, if you fit into one of those categories, I think it would be great for you. And I'm sure that a lot of our viewers do feel that way. So I think yeah. it would be a perfect fit for a lot of our audience. Yeah, so. those are some, yeah, those are some really great things that you got out of being certified. Would you think there were any other fantastic benefits that you got through your certification process or um, that you would, you would speak about? Absolutely. I, I believe that it, because I was working on the new ASL standards at the same time, I feel like it really um, 
forced me to commit to those new ASL standards and the ISTE standards. So when I would create a product during those modules, I would often say, wow, so this new design learning process that I'm learning about, this aligns so nicely with our wise inquiry model. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is so great. So I would create hyperdocs that now my students use and they see, oh, this is the inquiry model. Look, there's the W for wonder, but also there's this new design piece. So, you know, a huge um, positive that's come out of this is just recreating so much of what I'm using with my students. I'm feeling um, much more accomplished with implementing the new ASL standards even from you know our last meeting with our wish we boces group i feel like i've moved forward because of my work with isti because it's really you know i have isti but it partners so nicely with my um, asl standards and besides that i've really learned some things for example we focus a lot on what behaviors am i modeling for my students that help them become um, questioning students or empowered learners. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I would be thinking skills, skills. Now I'm so focused on what behaviors, what, how am I speaking to my students or modeling for them what I want them to be doing in the future. So it's really just shifted my thought process. Absolutely. Exciting. It's so exciting. And I find something new every day that I'm, pulling out of this process. And also I want to stress that even though I was so excited to become ISTE certified, I feel like the hard work begins now. Yeah. Because I have that certification and I'm, I'm so excited about what can I do next? Yeah. Who can I bring this to? Which um, classroom teachers will I partner with to share some exciting things with? So it's just, I feel like there's so much now I want to do and I will do with my new, um, with the certification. No it way. sounds like this really um, launched you and gave you some energy and really, I, I think, you know, what I'm hearing you say, which is probably what, you know, some of our questions that our viewers asked us prior is like, how do you manage it all? And I think once you choose a focus like you have, other areas will grow, you know, simultaneously, even though that, you know, your, your focus was this decertification, but I'm hearing you talk about how inquiry has improved because of it. Student behavior has improved of it. Empowered learning, AASL standards are now being addressed that weren't before. So all because you chose a focus, um, you now are actually impacting multiple areas, which is so cool. Absolutely, I agree. And something I took away from our cohort leader, her name's Carmelita Setz, and she recently just took a position with ISTE, is um, when I'm making changes in my library or I'm, I'm making decisions to be very intentional. Mm -hmm. That's something I've really tried to focus on this year is to be intentional with how I use my time. So yeah. now with looking at the ASL standards and ISTE standards and and other things I want to accomplish, I, I really do try to look at how do I bring that all together so I can accomplish that in a very intentional way, yeah. which has really helped me grow as an educator. I have to say that I'm starting this decertification process next 
maybe next week, maybe the following week. And you just got me so excited. So I hope that some of our viewers are also getting really excited as well. Um, I think you've given everybody a um, really good start and a better understanding of what BSD certification entails. Um, before we leave, do you um, have any advice for those people that might be on the fence? So they're just not sure whether to commit or not. What might you say to those people? Absolutely. And so um, before I mention that, I want to share one more thing yeah. about the certification process. Once you complete those four modules, you have six months to create, I think it's 24 artifacts. And those artifacts now, instead of looking at ISTE standards for students, it's coming from now ISTE um, standards for educators. Okay. And I have to say that was such a beneficial process to go through. Oh. Because we had to look at every single standard and think, how have I addressed this or met this standard yeah. in my program? And that was probably the best part of this process because what a great reflection tool. I was gonna say it's very reflective. Very reflective. And so I looked at so many things I've done and I've really made some big changes to the way I teach. And by creating those artifacts has really helped me grow as a teacher. So I guess I would say if you're trying to decide if you should do this and you're in a place where you just feel like you need to re-energize your program or yourself as an educator, or you just want a challenge. You know, there are times when I just feel like I'm missing that challenge. I want something new, go for it. Awesome. Because you do have six months from the time you finish your modules. I felt like I had to get mine done quickly to get it done, right? something, um, or I would let it stretch out too long, but just go for it. I think it's such a great process. I feel so excited about my program now and what I can now do for my teachers and my students. I'm so thankful I decided to do it. That's wonderful, Lori. It sounds like you really had a, a, a good experience as part of this process and we really appreciate you coming and joining our very first podcast. Thank you for having me. This was really nice to sort of talk about it and think about, you know, how wonderful it's been. So this was great. Thank you for having me. Lori, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, would that be okay if we shared your information on our website? Yes, absolutely. I'd be happy. I've actually um, had many people contact me through Twitter to ask me about the process and, you know, if, you know, what kind of commitment it is. So I'm happy to have uh, people contact me. And could you tell us what maybe um, how people could contact you through Twitter? Yes. So my Twitter handle is at Ms. Alden Library. Um, so you can reach out to me there, or you can certainly contact me at aldenla at sgfcsd.org. Wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was so wonderful to hear from Lori. She is just a true rock star in the library world and doing great things. I'm glad that she shared her experience with us. I hope that everybody um, was able to take away from her experience and the things that she shared with us. And um, thank you for joining us for our first podcast. I agree with you 100%. And that's all for today. Thank you for our guests and thank you for listening. Remember, this isn't our podcast. This is 
our podcast. We are working on growing a website right now. So for now, please help us in our collaborative effort to helping each of us grow by submitting questions to our Gmail account, growinglibrarians at gmail.com. Thank you.